All right, Grace Church, good morning. I want to welcome you guys here. Hope you're having a good Sunday. Uh, Today's not an ordinary Sunday, it's a special one. If you didn't know, today is Pentecost Sunday. Penta, 50, meaning 50 days after the resurrection of Christ. Now, Pentecost was always a really big day um, in the churches that I grew up in because it is the time that we celebrated the coming or the advent of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'll be honest with you, I'm trying my best to be a little bit more up right now, and I think we've all had a pretty interesting week. If you've been on social media at all, you've noticed that we already live in a time that's quite heated and divided and tense, but things in the last few weeks have really just heightened it. And it's, it's um, the stress and the, the worry and the frustration from COVID has seemed to kind of mount, and we had division over that and how to react to that. And then, of course, we have this, this terrible incident that's taken place. And we're all feeling this, right? Now, what's crazy about this today, um, I sit down at the computer, I started to work on my notes, and I realized that I have not been talking about the title of the series. Now, if you've been at Grace Church for a while, you know I always like to talk about the series title. We always kind of, I bring it in. I, I start out and I kind of recap. I want people who haven't been here to know kind of what we were talking about, Right? And I realized, and I talked to Pastor Zach about this, I haven't been saying the title of our series for five weeks. This is now the fifth week of our series. We planned this series six months ago. It's been in the books, in the paper. Um, each time that I come to start my sermon, I always see the title. And for some reason, every Sunday for these past five weeks, I haven't said the title. There's something just fell off about it. And so I'll just say it now, and it really hit me as kind of a spiritual moment. I really felt like the Spirit of God was there with me, just really trying to draw my attention to something. And the title of this series for the last five weeks, and of course today, is I Can't Breathe. So of course that, that sentence has weight to it right now. And it rightfully has weight to it right now. Now, the gift that I have as a pastor... Uh, from God is that I've been called to raise up a church in the South that is extremely diverse. It's one of the things I love the most about Grace Church. Almost any topic, Coke versus Pepsi, red versus blue, (laughs) New King James versus the, you know, NIV. In this church, you're always going to find diverse opinions. To me, it's one of the most true things about being a follower of Christ, that you will be surrounded with difference because you are united by Christ, right? And here we are in a moment where we are feeling very divided, and that gift in our church, in our church family of being different, having differences, is really showing itself, right? And so this morning, this phrase, I can't breathe, is very important. And when I first began to process this series six months ago, I wanted to speak to people who were dealing with anxiety, with crippling um, anxiety or fear. And it doesn't matter what side of, of this debate or any debate or this issue or any issue that you're on today, I'm speaking right to you. So this applies to you. It doesn't matter what your opinions are. This applies to you if you're trying to follow Jesus. That's the big if. If Jesus is first, then this sermon is for you. And so what's going into this was I have had the experience of crippling anxiety before. I've had a few moments where 
I've experienced what it is when anxiety and fear comes over you in such a way that it's not just an idea or an emotion. Literally, you feel it in your body. And you can even feel it to the point where you cannot breathe. I've also had this experience with food allergies. Now, this sounds cheesy, you know. Uh, when Jew was about to be born, we used to have strawberries and eggs every single morning for breakfast. One morning, I had the strawberries just like I always did. And this time, Nisa left to go to school, and I was taking the last bite, and I realized I had this weird feeling in my chest, in my ears, in my throat. And then five minutes later, I literally couldn't swallow water. Then I, and then the panic sets in. When you can't breathe, it is the most isolating feeling that a human being can feel. Now, I'm expanding this beyond just the physical experience. Mentally, emotionally, physically, there are moments when you feel as if your ability to stay into this moment, to stay alive, to stay grounded, to stay here, is fleeting, when you literally don't know how many more seconds you have left on this earth, how many more seconds you can stay in this place, how many more breaths you can handle without something changing. I can't breathe. I remember whenever I was in high school, this is a really kind of a weird story, but I just want to share with you. I remember in high school, there's a friend of mine, and we always used to wrestle and have fun, and we'd gone skiing. And one time, we were wrestling after going skiing, and something weird happened. I don't remember what it was, but I had kicked him really hard or something. You know what happens when you're guys. And he just lost his mind. I don't know what in the world happened. He took his hands, put it around my throat, and began to choke me. And I literally had this moment where I, again, had that experience. I didn't know how many more breaths I had, how many more seconds I was going to be in this place. And my legs at that moment were exhausted. They were fatigued from skiing all day. I was cramping. Literally, he's jumping on me, and my legs are cramping up with Charlie horses. And in that moment, in my body, in my mind, in my emotions, all connected and said, if you don't do something, you are done. I can't stay in this place one more second. And I remember I took my legs, and I kicked this dude off me so hard, and he fell through. And you can imagine what else happened, but when you can't breathe, there's a moment where you either choose to just let go or you choose to push it off of you. Whatever you have to do, it's a terrifying feeling. It is isolating. If you've ever experienced crippling anxiety before, you know what I'm talking about. When a crippling anxiety or fear or depression hits you, you can't just call a counselor. You can't just take a pill. You can't just do anything in that moment. And that moment, literally, you can't even move. It overcomes you. This sentence, I can't breathe, to me, it brings back so many vivid moments for me. And these are just the, the small ways that I'm able to connect. Now, what's powerful about this sentence today is that we're talking about Pentecost Sunday. If you guys have your Bibles, go to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. It's a long passage I plan to read to you, but just stay with me. It's the Scriptures. We're Christians. We value this book. Verse 1. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. 
Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. The wind part's very important. We're going to stick with that. Remember, in Genesis, the way that a human being was born, the way that Adam was first created, was that God breathed his breath. The Spirit left God, and God breathed life into Adam. Breath, wind, this goes all through the entire Scriptures. And they saw what seemed to be tongue, fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, because each one heard their own language being spoken. Pause right there for a second. Understand that this day, Pentecost, had special meaning to the Jews before this experience of the Spirit. And this is one of the few moments every year where Jews came into Jerusalem, into one place, where Jews who were scattered all over this globe came to one specific point to gather to form unity, one specific day. And so this day has a lot of meaning. And so in verse 7, utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speak, speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, the Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this? And of course, the response was, well, they've had too much wine. <laughs> now, this is a great thing. Stay with me. Anytime there's great detail in the Scriptures, this is where you want to lean into it. What is the author trying to show me that I don't know about? The author could have said, and there are people from all over the world who were God-fearing Jews in Jerusalem. But why go to the trouble to spell out every single group, nation, language that was in this city at this time? Well, you need to understand about this moment in history, in the church history as well is that this is a moment where all of the people of all these different divisions and groups and tribes and languages, all of these different separations, all of these people were gathered for one cause, to come to worship God. This is powerful. You don't understand this if you haven't really been, had the, the time to get into the Scriptures, but these people don't have a lot in common. Have you ever sat uh, in a taxi or in a restaurant with someone who speaks a different language? Have you ever experienced what it feels like to be on the outside when two people are speaking a different language that you cannot understand and they're having a great conversation, maybe even like pointing at you, and you have no idea what they're talking? There's such an outsider feeling going on here. And see, Judaism has so many layers of being an outsider. There are so many layers of people who are in, who are out. At this point in history, there are riots, there are murders. 
There are tensions inside the faith. There are tensions inside the, the politics of Jerusalem, Judea, and, of course, Rome as a whole. Jerusalem was known as a very rough city. If you, if you begin to look up uh, the history annals of the Roman Empire, there are many details about Jerusalem and the violence, the kind of crazy upheaval that was happening. They had to put extra garrisons of soldiers around this region because they had to be careful of all of the riots, the shedding of blood. What you also might not know about Jews, if you haven't read the Old Testament very thoroughly, is that these people know what it is to be oppressed. You're talking about a people group who arguably has suffered some of the most ugly atrocities in all of the history of humankind. And if you ask me, I don't believe it is a coincidence that this is also the people that God chooses to bring the Savior of all mankind. So here in this moment, there are divisions, there are separations. All of these strangers are in one city. All these people who disagree with each other on doctrines, on philosophies, these groups who hate each other over politics. There are people who are traitors who have sold out their brothers and sisters to help the Roman Empire. There are people who have chosen to murder their brother or sister because they sold out the Roman Empire. There are people who have no connection because of language or geography. And all of these separations, and the first thing that the Holy Spirit does, the first gift of Pentecost, the first thing you need to know about why Pentecost or the Holy Spirit is important, here's the first thing that happened. The first gift of Pentecost is the gift of communication. Now, you might think that sounds simple. Oh, communication, great, it's awesome. Have you been on Facebook at all in the last three years? There's a million people posting and speaking, but there are a few people communicating. To communicate means to sit, to listen, to process, and then to respond. You cannot communicate if you cannot connect. And you have all these people in these streets, these crowded streets of Jerusalem. If you haven't seen pictures of these streets, these are very narrow streets. These strangers bumping into each other, probably cursing each other out in all, in all these different languages, right? No connection, no similarities, just this one reason to be in the city, and yet there's a moment that stops everything. And in this one moment, strangers are turning to strangers going, are you hearing what I'm hearing? Are you experiencing the same thing I'm experiencing? Even though we have nothing else in common, our politics are different, our, our religious doctrines are different, our language is different, our income levels are different, everything about us is different, but we are sharing a common experience that is connecting us. The first gift of Pentecost is that it gives us a connection that overrides every other boundary. At Grace Church, I am very quick to criticize some of the weaknesses of the charismatic movement. Here's my biggest criticism of the church and the charismatic movement with the Holy Spirit. We aren't charismatic enough. If you really took the Spirit of God seriously, then you would know that the first work of the Spirit of God in every room and every situation is always the one first thing, a reconciliation. Meaning, whatever my opinions or my bias or my Facebook groups or my politics, if the cross and the Spirit are first, my first priority in every room, if I'm listening and following the Holy Spirit, the Spirit will always connect me to you. Always. 
And so today on Pentecost, as this sentence, I can't breathe, is being used in a million different ways right now. Millions of people are speaking, but no one is communicating. No one is connecting. No one is listening to each other. Those in this country, and those especially in Grace Church, who truly receive the Holy Spirit, we are able to hear each other. Because the Spirit of God will always take us beyond opinions, beyond our biases, even beyond the limitation of our experience to allow us to connect for reconciliation. And the next thing that we see is that we see that Pentecost doesn't only give us a connection, a communication that goes beyond all these different borders. Pentecost even brings us a new justice, a new law. If you grew up in charismatic churches, you heard talked about a lot the gift of the law of the Spirit. That we weren't just going to follow a written law. Now we have to literally follow the Holy Spirit. Now, if that sounds weird, you think about like the, the language of like conscience. We're going to follow our conscience. That this law can't be tricked. You can't find loopholes in this written law of what's right and wrong. Literally now, what's right and wrong is, is judged every second by the Spirit of God that's in you, that knows you, that knows every thought, every intention. And this Spirit of the law is always moving, always moving in the same shape and form of the cross, which means the Spirit is always holding us accountable to how well we are loving our neighbors sacrificially. I love that. And if that doesn't scare you or bother you, then you're not letting it hit you, and you're not really hearing what it's saying. I wish that I could be the type of pastor that said, follow that book and do every rule because that's the way to go because I love that. Because if you give me a book of rules, I will find every loophole. I had a chance to coach in a peewee basketball and I loved it because I got to read these very simple rules and I saw very quickly there are a few loopholes I can get through. First of all, there is no foul limit. So anytime that a team is beating me, in its last second, say it's the fourth quarter, I'm going to surround their star player and hack the poop out of them. And every parent's going to hate me, but guess what? I'm following the rule. <laughs> but guess what? What happens when the rules are not this dead written thing, but this spirit who knows you, this God who is alive and breathing and moving with you in every moment? And now you just can't say, well, the Bible says. Now you can't even make that argument all the time. You literally have to, in every action you make towards your neighbor, say, is this coming out of love? Because that is where the spirits bring conviction. Now, you can always ignore it. We can always ignore that. It doesn't matter what side of a debate you're on. You can even be fighting for the right things and do it in the wrong way. And that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. That if you would be sensitive, if, if you would be charismatic enough, the Holy Spirit will convict you even in the ways that you fight wrongly for the right thing. And so Pentecost brings us a communication that goes beyond boundaries and brings us a new law, a new justice, that the Spirit of God would raise up a people that would always seek what is right, what is just for everyone, because that Spirit would always convict us to move in a way that is right and sacrificial, that I would give up my freedoms, that I would sacrificially love to take care of this person 
over my own well-being. To be a true charismatic, to be a true Christian, is to be Christian first and American second. American is being a great thing. It's a, so many gifts to us. But to be an American Christian is a difficult thing because we often think American first and Christian second. And as I've said multiple times on this stage, Christ always comes first. And that's the difficult part. And the last gift of Pentecost is that Pentecost not only gives us a gift of communication and not only gives us a new law, but it gives us a new charge. And if you've ever read the book of Acts, you'll see how this plays out. Chapter 2 is just the beginning. It starts in Jerusalem. It starts by the Spirit of God, including bringing home, to reconcile just in your minds means to bring close. You know, you can even have an argument as you bring someone close. In the same moment, you can smile and look at someone and still be separating yourself from them. It's not necessarily about the outward thing. But to reconcile means in the truest sense to, to bring someone else back into the fold. It's the opposite of being rejecting another person or being defensive towards them. We are bringing them in. In the book of Acts, it starts with the Jews and with the God-fearing Jews and with the God-fearing Gentiles. And guess what? It begins in Jerusalem and it sets out to Judea, Samaria, it even goes all the way to Rome. It goes all the way to Ethiopia. Literally, it starts in Jerusalem, and the Spirit of God sets a precedent that if you are following the Spirit of God, you are now a part of the great reconciliation, meaning the great movement of God bringing all of his children home. Now, here's what this means for you. Every moment that you are a part of something that is creating greater separation, that is creating smaller fractions, that is separating followers of Christ from followers of Christ, that is separating the children of God from the children of God, you are immediately aware that your work is not of the Holy Spirit, but what the Apostle John would say, the work of the Antichrist, to pull children away from God, to create separation. See, no one needs help to create division and strife. No one needs help with that. We don't need a gift from God to fight and argue and to create our small little tribes and fraction. But it takes a miracle, God. It literally takes part of the very being of God, the Holy Spirit, to fill a human being, to live a life that brings people closer to one another. So it doesn't matter what truth or right thing you think you're doing. If the fruit of it is separating people, causing division, what you're doing is wrong and not of the Spirit of God. And see, there is even a way for us to have confrontation, to even argue, but do it in a spirit, a humility, a posture of embrace that even as we disagree, as we argue, we are bringing unity into the room. And you better believe there are moments when we stand up for things and we fight for things. But if you are a someone who is a true follower of Christ, I don't like that word. If you are a serious follower of Christ, if you take the Holy Spirit seriously, if you take the Scriptures seriously, then your life is about reconciliation first. Every other opinion or idea or argument or doctrine falls far behind that priority. And so no matter what side you're on today, 
I hope that you allow the Spirit of God to fall on you afresh this morning. No matter what you've done leading up to this point, let the Spirit of God fall on you fresh right now. And if you let the Spirit of God fall on you, the Spirit of God will give you the same three gifts again. First, it will give you the gift of connection and communication. It will allow you to have a tender, humble heart as you approach people that you disagree with. And the second gift it will give you is a law that you cannot fool. You will become freshly sensitive to every moment and motive where you are trying to get the, what's best for you at the cost of harming another person, even if it's winning an argument. And you will not be able to engage in that anymore. And the third gift is you will now receive a new passion to live every moment with every person around you to create reconciliation, to bring people together, because that is the sign that the Spirit is present. More than Holy Spirit goosebumps or prophesying or banners or old horns, the fruit of the Spirit is unity and love, my friend. This is the number one evidence that the Spirit of God is in you and around you. Unity and love. So, hope you're having a great morning. I love you guys very much. And next Sunday, I'm excited to see you guys in this room. So, Father, I just want to pray over everyone um, this morning that they would just receive the freshness, a fresh experience of the Holy Spirit. If they've never experienced the Holy Spirit before, I pray, Lord, that you would give them a comfort and an ease. There would just be a peace with them that they wouldn't be afraid or nervous. There's nothing weird or woo-woo that they need to expect or be worried about. But they would allow the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, gentleness, and self-control to fill them right now. And would lead them into a life of reconciliation, bringing people together and not apart. In Jesus' name. And so now, after we've prayed, I just encourage you to reach out. If you need to reach out to people, just to, to have a moment, because part of us operating in this, this gift of the Spirit is also making room for our flesh, knowing that our body and our emotions and our, our own broken places need places to vent and to let off frustration and anger and confusion. And so if you need to talk to a pastor, a counselor, if you have a good friend you can kind of vent with so that when you go back into the world or back onto, you know, Instagram or Facebook, Twitter, whatever it is, go back to work, that you can operate in the Spirit, make sure that you reach out to that. And it, I also encourage this. In moments when I find myself being almost unable to sense the Spirit in those moments and all I want to do is fight and just cause, you know, strife with someone I disagree with, sometimes those are the moments I need to find the strength to ask them humbly if I could sit down with them. Not to prove my point, but literally to listen to them. To let myself into a room expecting to learn something. I don't need to expect all my ideas to change. That's not the point. Being Christian isn't about all of us having the same ideas and opinions. But I need to always be able and willing to allow the Spirit of God to follow, to lead me in obedience to Christ in the way that I love and treat my neighbor because that is always the number one thing that matters as a follower of Christ. I just speak peace to you. You guys have a great week. I also pray discernment, that you would have discernment, that these are confusing times, that you would have the ability to allow the Spirit of God to guide you and direct you carefully and tactfully through your week.
Hope to see you guys next Sunday, June 7th. I'll see you then.